This is an ABC podcast. This is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. I suppose it's less noticeable as well. And there's that kind of image that vaping is better than smoking. So people are less afraid of it. What do you know about vaping? Do you know if it's legal to vape in Australia? Now, I've got to be honest, Rochelle... Vaping is not my forte. It's not my strong point. I don't do it. And even if you if you gave me one right now, I would not know how to make it work. No, well, you are not alone. A lot of people do vape, Jono, but it is really confusing as to all of the laws around it and the fact that it has been illegal, yet so many people do vape. But on Friday, this Friday just gone, nicotine vapes are now illegal without a prescription. So those laws changed. And like you, I've never vaped either. But apparently a part of the appeal, in particular for young people, which is really problematic for a lot of health practitioners, is the variety of flavours and the fact that they're just so cheap. Yeah, and this is where it can get a bit confusing, is when we're talking about the laws around vaping in Australia. It's always been illegal for people of any age to buy or sell disposable vapes or nicotine liquids. So how is it that so many people are vaping? Well, there's been this legal loophole that lets people import disposable vapes and nicotine liquids from overseas. I heard it referred to as vaping juice the other day, and I just don't (laughs) think I can bring myself to call it vaping juice. But you're right, there was a really big legal loophole, and that's what's changed. So anyone now that wants this vape liquid, this vape juice with nicotine in it, you need a doctor's prescription. But even around that... There have already been questions and concerns about how many GPs and how many pharmacists are willing to be a part of this new system. So will a requirement for a prescription stop people from buying nicotine vapes? Or will it just push them further underground? This is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall. On the conversation hour today, Jono, we are talking about the changes to laws around nicotine vapes. You will now need a doctor's prescription. You can still be able to buy them online. You just need to throw in your prescription and all of your details around that. And you can get, I think, up about three months' supply sent to you. So is this going to work? You know, is this something that's going to stop people and young people from vaping? Or is it just going to push the industry further underground? And we are going to hear from a GP because the kind of the regulatory onus is on GPs to prescribe uh, or give a prescription and then that is attached to the order uh, if you're ordering these um, products from overseas. But first to Ryan Oakley, who's the manager of a vape store in Warrnambool. Morning, Ryan. How does it work? Because I thought it was illegal to buy or sell uh, vaping products in Australia. So how does your store work? Uh, good morning, guys. Yeah, thanks. Uh, appreciate you giving me the time. Um, yeah, look, obviously, as a legitimate business, we've never been allowed to sell or supply nicotine products in Australia. So, um, you know, that portion of our business doesn't change. Um, you know, there's a lot of good legitimate business out there that follow follow the regulations and want to get things approved properly. Um, you know, my experience has been it's, it's the enforcement and... They're not so legit businesses that cause the issues that are selling to miners and selling nicotine. So, you know, obviously we keep um, encouraging our customers to go down the right angle and, and get a prescription now that that's in place. But our experience has been 
uh, that customers are finding it difficult, especially in regional areas, to find doctors that are going to prescribe to them. And, and when someone's ready to quit smoking, they're ready there and then, you know, and um, the process has been made more difficult by them having to find a doctor, get a prescription, and then go through that process. So, yeah, we've already had customers turned away. You know, it's easier for them to walk down the shop and grab a packet of smokes than it is to, to make the switch, and that's that's becoming difficult for them. So... Yeah, do, do you have an average type of person that is vaping in your store, Ryan? Is there a particular age or, or demographic? Is it people trying to get off cigarettes or is it just young people that are vaping that have maybe never smoked cigarettes? Uh, definitely an older, mid, mid-age mid to, to older people that have had enough of smoking and want to make the switch. You know, we have, um, you know, young people come into the store. We don't even let them in the store if they, they're underage. And, um, you know, we, we all have children ourselves and we don't want kids kids vaping or smoking. Um, you know, we get tested by the local council on a regular basis in regards to age checks and all that stuff, and we've always passed. Um, definitely the older people that are wanting to make the switch is what we experience. And so you, by the sounds of it, you sell non-nicotine uh, vaping fluid. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, okay. And do you sell cigarettes as well? Definitely not. Right. Okay. And so, what's what do people tell you when they come in and and ask for for vaping supplies? Why are they doing it? Are they doing it to get off cigarettes? Definitely. That's our experience. People come in. They're having you know either some health issues. It's hitting their their hip pocket. It's becoming really expensive at the moment, and they're just not feeling very good about you know what they've been doing over the years and 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 their experience from normally from people that are close to them that have been vaping themselves is. I've got a friend or I've got a family member that's been vaping and they've experienced some benefits from making the switch and they also want to do that. How much cheaper is vaping than cigarettes? A lot cheaper. So, you know, if someone was to pick up a a small pod device for, say, about $40 and a bottle of liquid for $20, $25, that's almost a month's worth of vaping um, in that process. Whereas a pack of smokes, people are spending, you know, we have people coming in that are spending three to $400 a week on cigarettes. Mm. Just hang there for a second, Ryan, because Liam is joining us from Ivanhoe now. Good morning, Liam. Now, you vape. What what change will this or what will this mean for you now that you'll have to get a doctor's prescription to be able to buy vapes from overseas? Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get a prescription. You know, you're kind of rolling the dice with the doctors or the pharmacies whether or not they're going to allow you to have one. So that's one problem. Second, if I don't get the prescription, I'm probably going to have to try and find another way to get the, the, the juice with nicotine. And if I can't get that, I'll probably end up smoking again. So I don't really see where the positive is here for anybody. Yeah, you know, there's an interesting text that says a similar thing to you, Lee. Matt and Ballarat says, pardon my ignorance, but why the hell would a doctor recommend somebody taking up vaping? So are you worried that if you're using vaping to get off cigarettes? And we know, and as we've heard in AM this morning, though, vaping comes with its own set of issues and health concerns, but you're using it to give up smoking. Do you not think that your GP will give you a prescription? Well, I understand why some doctors wouldn't feel happy about prescribing anything that goes into your lungs. I understand that that's not a good thing for you to be doing to your body. But in terms of the known risks of cigarettes and the potential risks of vaping, I'd much rather be vaping than smoking. And Thank not you to mention, for- I, don't, I don't need a prescription to smoke cigarettes. I don't need anybody's permission to do that. 
but mm. that's readily yeah. available to anybody over 18. So what, yeah. what's the difference with vaping? Yeah, it's a really Thank interesting you, point. It really is. I mean, maybe we need to introduce, you know, uh, a prescription for cigarettes <laughs> as yeah. well. I wonder how yeah, that would yeah. go down. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Oakley is still with us, manager of a vape store in Warrnambool. Um, have you got new people coming in who are starting up vaping or is it just, as you said before, the demographic of, of, an, of older people who are trying to get off cigarettes? Uh, by new, do you mean people that have not smoked or not vaped? Yeah, younger people, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, obviously we, we have. And we, we have discussions at work. And that's one of the first questions that we ask people is, you know, are you smoking? Are you looking to make the switch? And we don't sell to people that haven't been smoking. We go, you know, maybe, maybe go away and find something else as a hobby. Do you know what I mean? And we have that conversation with people that, you know, there are obvious uh, risks with putting anything in your lungs. If someone wants to quit smoking, we are here to help 100%. Ryan, good on you. It's really interesting to speak with you. Thanks so much. That's Ryan no Oakley. He's the manager of a vape store in Warnable. Lots of texts, interestingly, coming in, Jono, saying, look, if this just gets too hard, I think I'll go back to buying cigarettes. Now, there's so many different schools of thought here as to whether or not vaping actually helps people get off cigarettes. But as you just mentioned, there is a huge number of people that are just vaping that have never smoked a cigarette in their life. And there's lots of texts from people saying it's happening at schools. I know anecdotally, you know, a few mums we were chatting and saying that, you know, once they hit sort of 12 and 13, kids as young as that are, are vaping and even at school. Yeah, and there's a text here from Matt in Ballarat uh, saying, pardon my ignorance and don't worry about it, Matt. There's, we're all learning here. Uh, but Matt says, why the hell would a doctor mm. recommend someone take up vaping? And I guess part of it is to get off cigarettes. Uh, that, would be, that would be my understanding of it. But, but the, uh, there is that, that school of thought, Rish, that, you know, why are we recommending mm. that? that people inhale, uh, vape or smoke or whatever it is. And it beggars the question, I mean, why weren't these things just banned altogether? Altogether. Mm. There's another text saying, here we go again, the government creating another black market and one saying, I switched to vaping to get off cigarettes. The new laws will ensure I'll probably just start smoking again. That's from Victoria in Reservoir. Jono, we've been talking about the role of GPs here and the fact that people will need a prescription, but the TGA is actually asking for doctors to go above and beyond a prescription and to sort of get quite involved in terms of where people are purchasing their vape liquid from. Here's just a little bit of the online advert from the TGA. You can also buy up to a three-month supply of your prescribed nicotine vaping products from an overseas website for personal use. If you buy nicotine vaping products from overseas, make sure you are purchasing from a reputable site and include your prescription in the order so that it doesn't get delayed at the border. You or your GP may want to contact the overseas supplier to check if the product meets the regulatory requirements and has appropriate packaging, labelling and manufacturing controls. It's as easy as that. I'm not sure how much time <laughs> GPs have got, not, not even to take into consideration the time difference overseas. Yes, yes. Dr That's... Paul Grinsey is a GP based in North Melbourne. Dr Grinsey, are you about to pick up the phone and, and call the overseas supplier of where Jono's <laughs> buying his vape juice from to make sure that they're ticking all of the uh, right boxes? Good morning, guys. Uh, no, no, the phone will be um, focusing on things within our borders. Um, I think anything overseas travels these days including uh, me calling overseas suppliers is off the question. Um, look, this is a, an interesting, a really interesting and evolving area and, and 
I think speaking to my GP colleagues, we've sort of been not caught out in the web, we've been aware this has been coming, but it, it's an unusual situation where we're being asked to prescribe something that uh, actually at the moment there are no approved products. Uh, so, you know, as a health professional, I'm here to help with someone's health and really keen to see someone who's willing, willing and wanting to quit smoking. And, and but we've been doing that for years. It's not nothing new around that. And we've got a new tool available to us in terms of using e-cigarettes as a stepwise thing towards quitting smoking for people who have been smoking. Um, it's not as... Uh, not probably not as effective as what we've currently got as our first line thing. So it's only put down as a second line option for those that haven't been able to quit smoking up to this point um, with our usual uh, usual tools that we've, been, you know, we've got available to us. Uh, we know most people quit smoking through cold turkey, but um, compared to cold turkey, a, uh, um, a, a quitting program through a GP and a quit line actually has a lot more uh, success rate. So we know that we've been doing this for for many years now, quite successfully helping people quit smoking. And this is just another way of getting around, uh, or another tool we've got available to us. But the tricky part is, as a prescriber, I don't have any approved products to actually prescribe. I'm prescribing a generic sort of nicotine liquid, and I don't know what's what's actually been been given. Um, yeah. There's there's limited safety data around this, and, and that's that's international. There's evolving stuff coming through, and I suppose we may be in a better position in a few years' time to actually really know what the safety data looks like longer term. Um, but it's a bit of a bit of a mystery at the moment. So, do you err on the side of caution if, as you say, I mean, you don't know what's in the the liquid uh, and that you're prescribing? Does, yeah. does that mean that you are quite strict when someone comes to you and asks for a prescription for nicotine liquid? Well, my, my, if someone came in today and said, look, I'm here for my prescription for my nicotine liquid, uh, my first question is to really ask about, you know, wh- wh- why? Um, what's the purpose of this? And if it is someone saying, look, I've been smoking for a long time, I want to quit smoking, I've tried these other things that didn't really work for me, but I'm really keen to quit smoking, then I think compared to smoking, a, a vaporised nicotine is, is uh, you know, has a lot, you know, it doesn't have the carcinogenic ke- chemicals and things that tobacco and, and um, combusted tobacco, which is smoke, um, has. So it's very likely to be a safer option compared to smoking. Um, it's probably not likely to be a safe option compared to not smoking. So we wouldn't be prescribing it for someone who wants to Prescri- uh, to, to vape because of uh, cultural things or enjoyment or be part of their social group or just to try something new. Um, there's a danger and it's quite a, a good, some good evidence. There was a, a, uh, an article from the British Medical Journal that was released earlier this year showing that people who were not smoking and took up vaping were three times more likely to take up smoking down the track. So we really don't want to prescribe uh, nicotine for non-smokers, but it's it's a, it's one of the options, not the first option, but one of the options we've got available to us mm. to help people quit smoking. If GPs, let's say the majority of GPs say, no, look, I'm, I'm busy enough or I don't really want to prescribe something that could potentially be harmful or that I don't have a lot of information about, will that hole be filled by, as Lawrence in South Gippsland says on text here, as per usual, there is already a loophole. Vaping companies have their own dodgy GPs who write scripts. I mean, are we actually just going to see that happen? We, we've seen that happen within other industries where people will Zoom doctors for all sorts of things like uh, cosmetic injectables, for example. There was a, a big look into that where there were doctors that would, you know, say, yep, no worries, you're mm. safe to go and just do that via Zoom. Well, I think whenever there's a policy change like this, there's always a market for the loopholes or for the gaps and things. And to some extent, as, as an individual GP, it's all that's all out of my control. Um, I'm really encouraging people to you know, see their GP through quitting to 
look, willing to, or even interested, not maybe not willing yet, but interested in quitting smoking to discuss those options. Um, and uh, for those that want to just access things, I mean, they've already been accessing nicotine liquids for vaping uh, illegally uh, for a lot of people already. It's been illegal up, up until this month. Um, so it's not like it's a, it's a brand new black market, but it's um, something that, you know, it's out of my control. And I'm encouraging people, if they feel that there's health concerns to be discussed or they want to quit smoking, to see their GP and have a, have a discussion. Would you be more comfortable if the TGA had just banned vaping altogether? Oh, it's a tricky one because, look, we've got, I think there's a, a 30-odd countries that have got regulated um, nicotine, that not under prescription, but they've got regulated standards around what's, what's, what's allowed. Um, the rest of the, the, the world either have banned it altogether or have unregulated markets, and so it's a free-for-all. And so Australia's unique that we're, we're the only country that have, well, maybe the first or the only country that have got it under prescription. So it's all a bit, uh, it's unusual. Um, and as I said, it, it's a, we're prescribing something that's not an approved product either. So it's, it's very, uh, I understand um, you know, GPs having hesitancy in prescribing something uh, where there is an unknown risk. Uh, and as I said, that may evolve over time, uh, but it, it is a tricky one at this stage. Dr Paul Grinsey is with you. He's a GP based in North Melbourne. We're talking about whether or not a doctor's prescription for vaping will actually help people stop vaping or whether it will push it further underground. If you vape or if someone in your family does, is this something that you would like to see? Deborah in Oakley says, I don't understand why you need a prescription to vape, but not a prescription to smoke. And another that says, I'm in my early 20s. I've recently quit vaping after eight months of very high uses usage i think it's given me really bad skin lots of pimples discoloration after having normal skin my entire life i can already see the difference after quitting i used to smoke cigarettes this is anonymous in case my grandparents are listening says this particular <laughs> text and fair enough we heard some pretty i guess frightening stories on am this morning paul about also some of the impacts potentially that non-nicotine vapes can do are we yet to see the data on what non-nicotine vapes are doing to people's health? Look, we don't know. That, that's the bottom line. There is some. There's no really good quality studies looking long term. Um, it just has been an area of, of, of you know, almost a, a, an invisible area of, of research, uh, and it's evolving. There's research happening at the moment, and that'll come out in years to come. It's not happening at the moment. But what we do know is that the nicotine liquid, uh, as it is in a concentrated form, is actually a lethal dose, particularly for children. So there's a big concern around. Um, uh, access to children and and one of the things about imported versus an, uh, an authorised prescriber prescribing here and getting access to a pharmacy within Australia is Australia's got some standards in terms of what's the labelling and the childproof packaging and all. There's a few safety mechanisms. We don't know about the actual effectiveness or the health outcomes, but we know that the packaging and the labelling is all going to be regulated here. Whereas in internationally imported um, nicotine may or may not have those, those safety mechanisms. And so one of the cautions of people who are accessing it from international sources is to ensure that they're at least fulfilling some of the criteria in terms of being childproof, um, because it is it is potentially a lethal dose um, if someone was to, to drink even you know, a, a small amount of the liquid because it's a, such a concentrated form. And just finally, Paul, if I was to walk into your practice tomorrow and ask you for a prescription for vapour nicotine juice, as the kids call it, would you say yes? 
Um, look again, I, I look at the reason if you're if you're a smoker and looking to quit, we'd probably first explore the, the options that we know work and we know we have got safety data and we understand their risk profile. Uh, but if you're further down the track and you've tried those and they haven't worked because of allergies or, or whatever reasons, um, it's something that I would be considering with for you. And we'd have a discussion about the pros and cons um, and also some of the what, you know what we do and don't know about it. Thank you very much, Dr. Paul. Good on you. Dr. Paul Grinzi, GP based in North Melbourne. Jag has given us a call from Sunshine. Morning, Jag. What's your story? Oh, hi there. I um, just wanted to talk about uh, quit smoking. And uh, I tried quitting, quitting about four or five times and, yeah, tried all the patches, sprays, all those things. Didn't work. Went to my GP. He won't prescribe me anything. He just said that I believe that you can do without any medicines and I won't give those medicines to my worst enemies, let alone my patients, which which was me. And uh, I walked out of that uh, walked out that day and haven't smoked since. And that's uh, I think today I just looked at my quick buddy and it's about 2,700 days. Wow, congratulations. congratulations. That's, that's fantastic. So you reckon people should just... Quit without, yeah, not use oh, vapes, look, not use patches. Not, like it's probably easy for me to say. It probably is not as easy, but I've I smoked for four, five years, and and um, and it wasn't easy for me. Like I tried all the patches and everything, and I didn't think I could do it, and that's why I went to my GP. So each to their own. Mm. I can't really tell because I did it. That doesn't mean everyone. Can well, it's do interesting it. too that your GP said no and we've had a few texts that have said a similar thing jag thank you and i remember trying to quit smoking back in the day john when i smoked cigarettes it's hard to believe that i think about that now and the idea of smoking cigarettes and it just feels like a different person but i did and i was a pack a day smoker and quitting is really really hard but i remember my doctor saying yeah cold turkey and that was when things like patches and gum and whatnot came about and they said you're just kind of replacing one addiction with another uh, so if you get hooked on the gum, you'll be hooked on the gum forever. But I guess it's the lesser of two evils and people think, you know, whatever is going to stop them actually doing that. And I think that's where vaping has played a big role for people. But as we discussed earlier, some people have never touched a cigarette in their life and yeah. they are only vaping. So that's where the new rules that came in on Friday, it'll be interesting to see if it stops those people or the next generation. Yeah, spot on. And there's a um, a text here from Tor in Ballarat saying, nicotine is not the issue. Vaping is the issue here. Nicotine as a self-prescribed mental health aid. Uh, let people have some control over their lives, please, says Tor in Ballarat. And Jim from Richmond has got in touch saying, what's the penalty for buying vaping nicotine liquid from overseas without a script? Well, I can tell you that if you are caught, or so, so if you're caught supplying unauthorised uh, liquids. There's a fine of up to $1,110,000 for individuals and up to $11 million for corporations. But at a personal level, uh, if you don't have a prescription, you face a penalty of $222,000 if you go through the courts mm. all the way. And I wonder what benefits we've seen and what research has been done into it helping people's mental health. You know, as we heard on yeah. AM and there was a hack story, an ABC hack story that was done last week as well, looking at people that choose to vape for anxiety. So whether or not the research is back on that, but maybe Dr. Michelle John Janellis knows. She's a senior research fellow at the University of Melbourne. Michelle, does vaping help reduce anxiety? 
Well, there are certainly some groups for whom nicotine might be important for their mental health. So we're talking people with severe mental health issues such as such as schizophrenia. I spoke to quite a few addiction specialists earlier this year and they use nicotine as, as part of their therapy with people um, with severe mental health issues. If you're suffering from anxiety, uh, then, you know, we, we'd recommend other more adaptive and healthy coping mechanisms than getting onto, onto nicotine and having an addiction to that. So for the majority of people, uh, they don't need nicotine, they don't need to smoke, they don't need to vape uh, to help with their mental health. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, correct. Yep. yep. So uh, what's, the, what's the evidence say here? Is this just, is vaping helping people get off cigarettes or is it creating a new, a new generation of, of smokers? It's a bit of both. So we've seen sort of some evidence come out that says these, you know, products are, are useful for smoking cessation. It's important to realise, though, that the the research out there that shows that these products uh, have any effectiveness has only done that in the context of behaviour therapy as well. So we're not just giving people vapes and then sending them off into the world and saying quit smoking. These people are also getting behaviour therapy, which is you know, the gold standard treatment for smoking cessation. So there've been no studies really out there, no good quality studies that have shown that if you just give someone a vape, you know, they, they're going to quit smoking. Of course, we get anecdotes from people who say that, uh, but it's important to, to sort of know that the people who are the most vocal about e-cigarettes are, of course, you know, the vaping industry and those people who've used them to quit smoking. The people we don't hear from are those who have tried it to quit and it wasn't successful. Those people aren't out there shouting from the rooftops, but they do exist. So on the one hand, you've got that research that says, you know, if you want to use it to quit, then you should consider behaviour therapy too. And then also, of course, we've got the, the concern with youth uptake and never smokers who are just using it recreationally. When you talk about the vaping industry, you know, previously, and I guess our generation, we think about the tobacco industry mm-hmm. and we know how big and influential they are uh, and how much power they've had over the yeah. years. When we talk about the vaping industry, are there any comparisons there? Well, the tobacco industry has bought up big in the vaping industry. So they saw this as, a, as an emerging market and something that they wanted to get their hands on. And so now a lot of the vaping companies, what people don't realise, is that they're actually partially or even wholly owned by the tobacco industry. So they've got an infinite resources. They're lobbying the government. We saw last year's government inquiry into tobacco harm reduction, which came about because of industry lobbying. You know, we had senators who are friends with the tobacco industry who decided to, to uh, push for this inquiry. So they are certainly very, very powerful. Uh, in fact, perhaps as powerful as they were decades ago. They are roaming the halls of parliament and trying to get a say in our policy. Mm. The other really interesting thing for me here is uh, the, the flavours. So there's mm. grape, passion fruit, lychee, mango, milk tea, watermelon, you know, almost... Like just Elko real, Pops, but for... Uh, e- exactly. Yeah. That was exactly what I was thinking, yeah. which makes me think, I mean, are these things just targeted towards young mm. people? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're definitely being targeted towards young people. There's definitely lots of promotion happening in that space. Uh, you know, they come in at least 7,000 flavours, uh, you know, and passion fruit, unicorn milk, Skittles, all of unicorn that sort of stuff. Unicorn milk? Unicorn milk, yeah, yeah. What would absolutely. that taste like? <laughs> oh. uh, well, that's well, the thing. The, fl- the favour profile of all of them is probably not that different, really. yeah. Isn't that fascinating? And I know you're talking about the advertising behind them. And, Jono, you and I were talking about this off air and some of the work that's being done on, on TikTok and how uh, kids are being, I guess, advertised some of these products and done in a way where parents or carers are not picking up on this. So, you know, there's some really 
intricate behind the scenes marketing happening. Definitely. It's like, you know, the old Marlboro man in the 50s and 60s. So when e-cigarette first came out, we saw some the equivalent in terms of advertising. Over the years, they've become, you know, the advertising has become a lot more useful, a lot more targeted. Uh, a few years ago, they had they would have launch parties in New York City for the Jewel brand. Um, so, the, you know, they're, they're, they're smart. They've got infinite number of resources and they are really targeting youth with their flavouring. So we hope that, you know, this is just a first step, the nicotine rescheduling, and that they actually start cracking down on flavours because there really isn't any reason for, for smokers who are legitimately using these products to yeah, quit to have that access was, to had no flavour. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Just, it reminds me of that TV show Mad Men, which was all about you know yeah. marketing for the tobacco industry and how you'd go into rooms and they'd just be filled with smoke. And uh, it seems like a kind of a continuation of that. But what's the science say around the danger of, of nicotine vaping? What do we know about it? So we know definitely for adolescents and young adults, nicotine is really harmful on the developing brain. So it can affect things like memory and concentration in the long term. So that's why we're really concerned about adolescents and young adults taking up vaping because this nicotine can affect them for the rest of their lives. Nicotine in adulthood is also harmful, um, but it's important to realise that it isn't just the nicotine in e-cigarettes that are harmful, it's the other additives in the flavourings that, you know, lab studies have found are, are also quite dangerous. So we often hear people say, well, I'm not using a nicotine vape anymore, mine's just nicotine-free and I'm just smoking or using the flavours and so it's basically just water vapour and that is absolutely not true. The flavours are just as, if not more harmful than the nicotine. So you've got your formaldehydes, your aceta, what is it, acetaldehydes, acetone. Yep. Um, so just because they don't have nicotine in them doesn't mean that they're safe. Correct. And there are certain flavours that, uh, because of their profile, are more dangerous than others. So, for instance, the cherry flavour, there have been a few studies out that suggest the cherry flavour is uh, one of the most harmful ones. So you really do need to be careful just because, you know, you think you're not having a nicotine one, uh, that you're completely safe because that's absolutely not true. Texty, after 45 years of smoking, I vaped for one year. It got me off tobacco and I quit vaping too. It works. There's another. I went from 50 cigarettes a day to Nicodent, then to Fisherman Friends lozenges. And I haven't smoked a cigarette for 32 years now, mate. The power of Fisherman Friends. Hey, they are, whatever works. Whatever they, works they for you. They will cut through anything. I mean, I don't think you're going to get a Fisherman Friends flavoured vape, really, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this is going to work, Dr. Dr. Michelle? Is this going to work by um, making that or, or man? that you have to have a prescription, a doctor's prescription to order vaping products from overseas. Is that going to stop people from, from doing it? Look, time will tell. Obviously, you know, this is only going to work if we get enforcement at the border. So the changes to the nicotine scheduling don't actually change things day to day for the vapor. If you've always been importing your cigarettes, your e-cigarettes legally with a prescription, these changes on October 1 will have no impact on that. What these changes have been designed to do is allow Australian Border Force uh, greater sort of ease with which they can enforce and, and seize products at the border. So we're hoping that the illegal product that's currently being sold in Australia will be seized. And those people who are using these products to, to smoke, um, to quit smoking, can, can do so like, just like they have been. That's well, a perfect segue to our next guest. It's been fascinating to speak with you. Thanks, Michelle. No worries. Thank you so much. Dr. Michelle John Janellis, she's a senior research fellow at the University of Melbourne. And Rowan Pike is a former federal police officer and actually set up Border Force's illegal tobacco unit, but is now working with retail and trades brands. Rowan Pike, welcome to the conversation hour. You were just listening to Michelle there talking about how this sort of has to happen uh, at the border. This needs to happen within customs. Uh, 
I guess my first question is, do you think that these law changes that came into vaping on Friday are going to make any difference? Um, yeah, hi, Michelle. I'm John O. Firstly, and um, I was listening to the doctor and all I've heard in relation to this um, issue is that the ABF are going to sort it at the border. Um, the ABF have a long list of things to search for at the border. They've got a sophisticated method of doing so, um, you know, complex algorithms that they use to uh, target and identify the things that they're going to open. Um, I'm not sure whether the vaping products or these nicotine products are going to feature highly on their list of priorities. Um, they're difficult to find. Um, at the moment, they've been coming in openly. Um, when smugglers decide to start disguising them, that'll make it even harder. Um, there's an issue between whether something contains nicotine or it doesn't contain nicotine. Um, and then, as the doctor said, there's, you know, there's been an argument as to whether these products are harmful or, in fact, beneficial. So I think the ABF will probably um, take some time to get their heads around what, um, you know, where, they, where these products sit on their priority list. Mm. And when you say the ABF, that's Australian Border Force, but it sounds to me like you're saying, look, they really just have bigger fish to fry. Is that right? Oh, they certainly do. I mean, obviously, the harm that a product um, potentially causes, such as guns, such as, you know, illicit drugs, um, and even the illicit tobacco that we've talked about before, they would be far higher priorities. Um, and they're set up, their, their systems are set up, designed to search for those things and protect the Australian community, as opposed to um, you know, nicotine or non-nicotine vaping liquids. Um, that'll be pretty much well down on the list. And then um, we, all, all, we already know that um, many products get through the border um, where there's a will and a, a market for these products. Um, smugglers will find a way to get them through. Um, and then the uh, responsibility will lay with the state police. And if I was a state police walking down the street and seeing someone vape, you know, you wouldn't know if they had a prescription. You wouldn't know if mm. it was being filled or not. Um, and I don't think that they'll um, be too worried about that either. Rowan, the last time we spoke, I know it was about looking at the illegal tobacco trade and just how huge that is and how hard that is to, to stop and to manage and to police as well. In terms of which one is more problematic at the moment, is it illegal tobacco or you know is it vaping? Because they're both the cheaper options for a lot of people and they, that's part of the, the reason why a lot of people choose to either smoke Chop Chop or to vape is because of cost. Uh, yes, that's right. It's cheaper, um, but it's certainly not cheap, uh, especially when we talk about uh, vaping. I think one of your earlier guests talked about, you know, 20 or $25 would uh, do a vapor for a whole month, whereas still a packet of illicit cigarettes at $20. Um, and so the market for uh, the black market is worth billions of dollars in illicit tobacco, and that brings in your organised crime and all sorts of other problems, um, whereas the vaping is not nearly as um, uh, valuable. And, again, that's because uh, the government don't regulate it, don't have the massive excise tax on the vaping products. Um, so th I would say that uh, it's not going to be a, as an attractive option for organised crime to get into. Fair enough. Well, look, thank you so much for your expertise and your time, Rowan. Rowan Pike, former federal police officer, and he set up Border Force's illegal tobacco unit. He's now working with the RTBA, which is the Retail and Trade Brands Advocacy. Yeah, it's interesting. Lots of texts coming in about just how young people are that are vaping. And I know, as we were talking about earlier, that's a big concern for a lot of teachers and, and parents and carers as well. 
And it looks like the laws may have changed, but whether or not it's going to change the way people act and what they do, that's yet to be determined. And whether or not we've figured out how vaping actually works is yet to be determined as well. <laughs> but we have actually done similar shows to this. We've looked at whether or not you could outlaw smoking. We've also looked at the illegal tobacco trade as well. So if this is a program that has interested you, then go through our back catalogue, subscribe to The Conversation Hour, and there are other shows that are quite similar. Hey, thanks for hopping on board the Conversation Hour today. Thanks for listening.